that you're opening up to what God wants to do in your life. And because in order for you to receive what God wants, you have to be open to it. Amen? You have to open up your mind, your spirit, your thoughts, your life, because He has some powerful things. So would you open your Bible or open your hands or whatever? If you don't feel like doing it, that's fine. I, don't, I just want you to be open. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, come on. Dear Lord Jesus, I want everything that you have for me in this year and in my lifetime. Today, Holy Spirit, I submit to you for you to speak in to my life, my soul, my spirit, your victory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to get in the Word in a second. So if you want to take your Bible and turn to Matthew 16 and then put a, a, a mark there and then uh, also look up Joshua chapter 5. We're continuing the series of the Sun Stand Still series and I want you to receive what God is going to do. But before we do that, I want us to pray for some uh, believers in, in, uh, in a, di- a different region that, that where you and I live. I, we received this fax, an urgent prayer request. from. We have some missionaries and pastors uh, in fact, let me just say this. Missionaries were forced to evacuate. Several missionaries serving in a sensitive country in Africa have been forced to evacuate. Their vehicles and their properties have been seized and without God's intervention, the remaining missionary personnel serving there will soon be departed. And it says, please pray fervently for the protection of these missionaries in the midst of this crisis. Pray that the Lord will grant them favor so they can continue their ministries among the unreached. So, so let's pray for our brothers and sisters and these missionaries. We pray, Father, for these believers in this sensitive country where the, they've had to evacuate, they've had things seized from them. We pray that, God, you would put them back in this field, put the Christians back strong, and, Lord, give them favor with the government, give them favor with those causing issues, and, Lord, let the salvation of God be manifest in all these things for your glory, but protect them and restore to them what the enemy has told, taken from them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with us about that. God is a big God. Amen. So again, if you have your Bible, now turn to Matthew chapter 16. I want to talk about the surcharge of sacrifice. And this is something we don't like to hear about that much in this world. Amen? In the land of plenty, we don't like to hear about sacrifice. Right? Come on. Matthew 16. If you have it, if not, it's right here. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the world yet forfeits his soul? Or what, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So in other words, Christ says salvation is free, but you have to be willing to give up so I can pour more into your life. Amen? Amen. And so, so for Christianity, it, it's a walk of faith. It's a sacrifice. Now before we go to Joshua, we've been talking about audacious, audacious faith. Believing God for big things in your own life, in, in this church, in this community, in this world. And so with that, though, sometimes it's crazy because you know what, Pastor Shane, you're a little crazy. You're hyper. You're talking really fast. And I wish you'd really just slow down. In fact, I wish you'd just calm down. Okay, I will for about a second. Okay? I will try to slow down a little bit. But I want to tell you that we're not strange. We're not weird. We don't believe in magic. We believe in God. We do believe in the miraculous. And sometimes it's hard for us as humans to grasp the miraculous. It's it's hard for us to grasp the supernatural. You see, for God, supernatural is natural. He works in the supernatural. Amen? I mean, look at you. You're awesome. You're good looking. Your hair is perfect today. Or maybe you don't have that much hair, but it still looks good. Um, Your teeth are awesome. You smell great today, I hope. I haven't been by all of you. And God has given you this wonderful spirit and He's given you this awesome brain that can do a lot of things. Now, that's not, it, can, if that's not miraculous, then what else is that? Right? Come on, right? But you see, a lot of times, this superhuman computer brain of ours, sometimes it shuts God out. We don't think that, well, God can't do that. That's for someone else. That, you know, but God can do it in your life. Amen? In this world, in this church, in other churches. God wants to do great things. But you see, we have to allow God to work through us and in us. You see, God is big enough. Listen to this. Because I, I, I always question get-rich schemes. I always question the magic diet pill that makes you instantly thin or restores you know, 20 years of strength back to you. That, that stuff's a bunch of hogwash, right? You figure that out, right? You, you, the, some of you like to invest and they come to you and say, hey, I can guarantee a 50% return on your money in a day or a week. You better run. Right? Some of you financial people, right? Run. Run from them. Or I guarantee if you take this pill in five weeks, you'll lose 100 pounds. You better run away from them. 
Because how long did it take you to put that 100 pounds on? Seriously. Come on. So, so if someone says, oh, I got this thing that's going to, it's like magic. You see, God isn't into magic. He's into the miraculous. But for the miraculous to work, you have to believe in Him. Because you don't have the power to raise the dead. You don't have the power to create the world. But God can. And so this morning, I want to help us to say, you know what? God created the world. He created the universe. He can do the miraculous in me. And God, listen to this, God is big enough to handle your doubts and your questions. He is not afraid of you going to and say, God, I am struggling with this idea. Go to Him. He has the answer. Did you know that? That doubt, that thing you're struggling with, go to Him. Say, God, I don't understand this. Would you help me see? And God is a big enough God. He'll say, let me help you. Let me walk you through this. Let me give you an answer. So now, Joshua chapter 5, we're talking about the excitement. Joshua went, they took the promised land, they crossed over the Jordan River, they, they took the walls of Jericho, they went and took that. But before that, they had to do something. This is not real exciting. In fact, I don't remember ever hearing about this in children's church. I never remember my Sunday school teachers talking about this, but this is a biblical thing. So here we go. Joshua chapter 5. Are you ready? Gulp. Right? And we're, I, I'm not a medical doctor. We're not, I'm not going to practice circumcision. Spiritually, yes. Physically, we're not talking about this. Some of you are like, what? What? What's that? You, you'll get it in a few moments. Joshua 5, 1 through 9. Now... When all the Amorite kings went to the Jordan, west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Let me just put it in there. Ouch. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Now, this is why he did it. So... All of those who came out of Egypt, all of them of military, all men of military age, died in the desert on the way on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert uh, in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. Verse six: The Israelites had moved about in the desert forty years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that they had solemnly promised their, their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the, the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Verse 8, after they, the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then verse 9, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so this place has been called Gilgal to this day. Okay, can you imagine that? Ouch, right? Flint knives. I mean, this was during the Bronze Age. They had metal, okay? So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But in order for the miraculous to happen, we have to be willing to give up something. So there's a surcharge of sacrifice for the miraculous in your life. And that is, number one, obviously giving your life to Jesus. Grace is free. It's a free gift. But in order for grace to come, you have to then obey it. You have to let your life be His. You say, God, I surrender my life to you. Amen? Come on, are you following me? So the first thing is this. Number one, sun, down, sun stand still prayers are miraculous, not magic. I've already alluded to that, okay? So it says, it says, basically, God wants you to participate in a high calling, but in order for you to receive that high calling, you have to submit your life to Him. Okay, we already read John. It talks about you have to give your life to Him. I'm not going to read it again. A high calling from God is a gift from God for you. Okay, God has great plans for your life. I say it a lot, but I mean it. Because He has great plans for your life. But for, in order for you to receive that, you have to unpack it. You receive a gift, but you have to unpack it, right? How many of you would receive a gift for your birthday or Christmas and you just put it on the shelf? So that's nice. Hey, it's a grace. It's awesome. And it's great. But that gift does you nothing, right? Until what? You open it up. And you see, God has given everyone of His grace and salvation. And we're like, oh, I'm saved by grace, not by works, lest any man boast. And we're like, that's awesome. And you put it on the shelf. And you've never opened it up to receive the full grace that God wants to give you, the full benefit of your salvation. Healing, the signs and wonders of God, the, the, the divine wisdom, of God, divine knowledge. Uh, and so there's some great things. And affecting change in this world doesn't happen by accidents. And to affect change in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in this community, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by the grace of God working in and through you and you expecting the miraculous to happen. Amen? 
It's, it's, it's a, again, I mean, many of you are, were on the new year and you've made some resolutions. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to start that. And, and so if you want to fulfill that, you have to have intentional focus on that, right? Right? I overheard, I overheard some ladies in the office talking about soda. And, how I, and I was thinking about I used to be addicted to soda. I would drink two to five sodas a day. That's crazy. And then I said, you know what, this stuff is killing me, Lord. It's killing me. And in fact, when I stopped drinking, I had headaches for weeks. I, I craved it. So I just said, man, I just got to have water. So now I, I crave water. I don't even crave soda anymore. Uh, it's been almost five years now. And I've lost 40 pounds. But I stayed on. I exercised and I ate better. I'm not a health food nut. I don't eat tofu. I mean, I still eat cheeseburgers, praise God. I go to Chipotle. On a rare occasion, I'll eat a donut. But for the most part, I just, it was an intentional thing to change my life. And in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm, if you want God to change your life, it has to be intentional every day. Don't give up when you're tired. Don't grow weary. If you want God to do the miraculous, you've got to say, God, I believe for it. You can't always expect miracles just to come falling out of the sky. It it is possible. But listen to this. I don't want to mess this up. I'm going to read this statement to you. The great things God will do through you are going to grow in the soil of persistence, prayer, obedience, and sacrifice. You see, we, we live in the microwave age. We want God to work in our lives right now. But God wants to work in our lives through the tough times, through, through the, the toilless times, through the boring times. We talked about that, through the ordinary days. You see, there will be plenty of plowing and pruning. And there's going to be a tremendous price, but there's going to be a huge payoff if you keep at it, if you keep working at it, if you don't give up. Amen? You see, faith will take care of you if you just keep at it. And the level of impact will be proportional to the amount of sacrifice that you do. You want God to do a little bit in your life? Just give up a little bit. If you want God to do medium stuff? Give up a little bit. You, a, little, a little more. If you want God to do greater things, then just say, God, here's my life. Do whatever you want with that. Don't be afraid of that. I mean, some of you think God's going to start making you go, I'm just trying to get your attention. Seriously. Some of you are so far, well, he'll call me to be a missionary to some weird country. He'll call me to start acting strange at work. No, he won't. If you surrender your life to God, he's got great things for you. He can take care of your finances better than you can. He wants to bless it. He can help your relationships better than you. He can take your career and exalt and just make it explode. But you're holding on to it because you're afraid he's going to do something strange. Why? Look at the Bible. Look at Joshua. Look at, look at Joseph. We'll talk about him. Look at Daniel. I alluded to Daniel a few weeks ago. Daniel was ten times smarter and ten times better looking than the average people or even the highest people that they had in Babylon at the time. Because God was with him. He surrendered his life to God. And I'm telling you, for you to do the great things God wants you to do in your school, in your work, in your place, your career, you have to just surrender. Say, God, whatever. I'm not afraid. But with that, it's going to take some cutting, some trimming. Amen? But it's going to be worth it. Amen? Amen. Things don't just happen magically, but it's miraculous. All right. Let me move on. You doing good? Number two, crossing over and cutting away. Now, I apologize if I acted really strange right there. I don't know what came over me. I was just trying to get your attention, to be honest with you. Some of you are starting to nod off. Some of you already tuned me out. You're texting down here. You're trying to be cool about it. You know, I see you. <laughs> I see you every Sunday, by the way. <laughs> you see, we, we, we like to hear about Joshua going over the Jordan River and God parting the Red Sea and they march around Jericho and the walls of Jericho fall. We love to hear that story. But there's that little story that happened before that and that was Gilgal, which I read about that. And as I talked about, the, the, God had said to them, okay, all the people that were born in the desert, they have to be circumcised. Okay, I'm not going to go into biology lesson. Hopefully you're all, you're all adult now. You understand what circumcision is, okay? Right? You all understand that, right? See, Pastor Dave, after service, he'll go into biology lesson for you after. He'll love to talk to you about that. He's like, no, I wouldn't. He's like, got that smirk on. No, don't talk to me about that. Uh, you're crazy. We understand it. And most circumstances today, are, they're done on babies in a sterile environment with a trained surgeon. And that's the way it should be, hopefully. You know, and of course, I know some Jewish people and they have their tradition. That's an awesome thing. But speaking of that concept, it was, it was, a, it was a very important 
thing that the Jewish people did to their kids. It was a physical sign of a spiritual covenant between the people and God. And so he said, you're going to be different. So I want you to circumcise the males, of course, ladies, you don't have to worry about this, circumcise them so that you will be different. And then in the New Testament, they continued this for most of the people, but it took on a, a, a different level of spiritual, spiritual life. In fact, Romans 2, 8, uh, 2, 28, 29 says, As a man is not a Jew, a man is not a Jew if he's only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a, such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. You see, circumcision, listen to this, involves God cutting away everything in your life that doesn't bring Him glory. And you see, there are many of us in this room, we are what, what some of a pastor would call a carnal or a fleshly Christian. You accepted Christ as your Savior, but you haven't let go of your flesh yet. You've not let go of your, the control of your life to Him. You're still living in your flesh. Your flesh still controls who you are and what you do. And God made your flesh, but He wants to circumcise your heart. And that's what really God wants. He, he really wants your heart. Because in your heart, He can work and He can do great things. And you've got to open up your heart. You've got to allow Him to heal you. You've got to allow Him to cut stuff out that's, that hurts you and allow Him to, to do great things. Amen? You see, God is more concerned about your internal works before He can do the, the external works in you. Amen? That's really deep if you think about that. He wants to work deep in you so He can work great things through you. Let me say that again. He wants to work deep in you so that he can do great things through you. You see, Joseph had to go through a lot. Joshua had to go through some deep things. For 40 years, they wandered in the desert. And then God used him to take the children of Israel to the promised land, and they took it. And so, for God to do some stuff, you've got to say, God, I'm willing to let go of my flesh. Lord, I'm willing to let go of things that hold me back from growing in you. I'm willing to let go of things that are, that, are, that are keeping me back. God wants to strip away your pride and your self-reliance. Especially in America. We like, man, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I don't need anyone. That's a lie. A lie, 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 lie. Because you needed a mom to be born, right? You needed someone to raise you. Well, the state raised me. Well, still someone raised you. Well, I, didn't, I, I got my job on my own and I, I made all this money on my own. But still, someone helped you in that. And you see, some of us got this stuff realized, well, I just go to church on Sunday just to feel good and I, when I need God, I'll call on Him. And He's very gracious and He does help us, but God will do much more in your life if you let go. If you say, you know what, God, I give you everything. And I don't rely on myself anymore. I rely on you. You see, handfuls of us understand that concept when all of a sudden the job dries up and you're sending out resumes and you're knocking on doors, you're sending emails, you're calling, and nothing happens, but God miraculously provides for you every day. And I was just thinking about when we were, we've been here nine years, it's been awesome, great years, but in between this church and the last church I pastored in Salt Lake City, we, I was out without a position for six months. And I mean, let me tell you what, I just trusted God. It was hard at times, but I trusted God. And multiple times, God would send finances or someone would say, Hey, Stan, can we grab lunch? Sure, let's grab lunch. And they would give me a check and it would be the exact amount that I would need. I would write out my house payment saying, God, I only have half of this, but this has to be in the mail. And I'm going to put this in and I'm trusting that you're going to do this. And guess what? When I put it in the mail, the next day or that day, that's when someone would say, Hey, man, let's go to lunch. And, and God just told me to give this to you. Are you willing to let God do that in your life? Some of you aren't. Sadly. God can, God can write any check bigger than you can ever make. Come on, church. Can I get real with you this morning? You see, we live in an area where everyone's so consumed about the cars, the clothes, and there's nothing wrong with it. I, I'm, 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 I love the cars that God's given us to drive. I love the house I live in. I love that I can eat and have food and clothes and all. I love all that. But it's not from me. It's from God. And I'm willing at any second to say, God, I will give this all back to you and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Because this stuff is not who I am. It's just stuff. I am who you want me to be. And I'm thank, I thank God, I, especially I was telling Olivia this yesterday, I thank God for my garage. We can actually put our cars in our garage, especially when it snows. And I mean, for years, I would live in an apartment or town home and I would get out there and have to scrape my car every morning, right? Warm it up and sit in there freezing, right? I thank God for this, but there might be a day when I don't have a garage again. 
I will still serve God. And you see, some of us were so caught on our self-reliance. And God just wants you to trust in Him more. He doesn't want your stuff. He just wants you. And I guarantee you, God will take your stuff and multiply it for His glory. That you can be a blessing. You can be poured out upon other people's lives. But we're so caught up. We're, i got to hold on to this. This is mine. I worked hard for this. And God says, you know what? That's, I gave that to you. Let go and let me do something bigger. We'll talk about that in the morning, in a moment. You see, Joshua's generation was poised to do what the previous generation had failed to do. They were, the, the, the previous generation had failed. And so God said, hey, be circumcised and let's, let's roll away the flesh. And God says to you, I want to I I take away your flesh and I want you to be a spiritual person. I want you to, yes, you have flesh. Yes, you have to eat. You guys have to sleep. You have to take care of your body. Absolutely. But I want you to live by faith and not by sight. Amen? Too many of us make decisions by our flesh and not by our faith. And God wants you to step beyond that. Now, he wants, to, he wants to take you into the Jordan. He wants to cross it. He wants you to walk around your Jericho. But before the Jericho comes, Gilgal has to happen. You have to allow God to cut away your flesh, your fleshly heart. I'm not talking physical circumcision. I'm talking spiritual. And you see, if you and I refuse to take God at His word, and we don't cross over by faith, we're going to miss out on God doing great things because we were afraid. We're afraid of what God is going to do. You shouldn't be afraid. Amen? Amen. He has better things for you. He, he knows what's best for you. Amen? Number three, trade off or trade up. Trade off or trade up. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want the promises and blessings of God, right? I mean, there's probably not a person who says, I, I don't... Who says, I don't want the blessings of God. I don't want the, the promises. Every one of us in this room want the blessings and the promises of God. But in order for that to happen, we have to let go. Right? Everyone wants to skip the, the sun-stopping, river-crossing, increased, increased influence, sacrifices, so we can enjoy the presence of God. But there has to come the surcharge of sacrifice. There has to come the hard times. There has to come the times where we have to trust in God. Amen? You see, there's always a trade-off. And before God can bring His promise to pass in your life, He has to strip away stuff that's keeping you back. In fact, none of us like losing stuff, right? No, no one likes to lose stuff. But crossing over says, God, I'm willing to let go of it so that I can have better things for you. Amen? You see, God may have to cut away some self-centered dreams to make room for bigger and better dreams. You see, what if God says, hey, I will give you the anointing of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, but you have to let go of your $10. You say, oh, I would do that. Okay, what if I upped it? I will give you the anointing of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett if you gave up your $100,000 job. be a little harder, wouldn't it? You have to give up your house. I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing out stuff to you. God says, I want to do things 10 times greater in your life, but you just got to let go. God can take what little you have and multiply it for the kingdom of God. But you have to let go of it. Amen? You say, you know, there's a trade-off. I've got to let go so God can do greater things in my life. So, so let go. Don't worry about it. Amen? You see, sometimes your dream has to die. I dreamed about being an astronaut and a microbiologist and a fighter pilot. I wanted, I wanted, you know, we tell our kids, oh, you can be the NBA, you can play, you can play FIFA, you can do all that, and it's possible. It is possible. But I let go of my dreams and said, God, I give it all to you. And I'm doing God's greatest work. And I'm happy. I'm joyful. I love you. I love this church. I love what God is doing in your life. I love what God is doing in this community. I love what God is going to do. And I wouldn't trade all that stuff for what God wants me to do now. And I want you to know that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what kind of clothes, all that. You just need to say, God, I'm going to let go because you're bigger than that. Amen? And sometimes you've got to let your dream die so God's grand vision can come alive in you. Amen? Let's move on to the next thing. No one likes this sometimes, but a divine downsize. You see, in the world of supersize me, it's easy to think that life, in the spiritual terms, is God wants to supersize me. Supersize me, God. Come on, hit me up. Right? How many of you go? I mean, I don't eat at McDonald's very often. 
Um, in fact, if I, I just get a parfait, when I go in there, would you like to supersize? It's like, parfait? Okay. You know, are, are you good? Chick-fil-A, would you like to supersize? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't need that. And I'm glad they don't ask that at Chipotle, right? If you want to supersize, dude, I can, I just finished one of those burritos. I can't supersize it, right? But see, we come to church, God, supersize me. Come on, hit me up. Boom. Bingo. Come on, God, hit me up. Supersize me. It's okay, I'll supersize you, but you've got to let go of some stuff. You've got to downsize some things. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. And you see, sometimes, listen to this, downsizing is a great spiritual exercise. In fact, some of you have been let go at your workplace or your career, and it turned out to be one of the greatest blessings in your life, right? Many of you can relate to that. You got let go, you got fired, you got, you got canned, the, the, the company downsized, it went out of business. And I'm telling you, sometimes that was one of the greatest things. There's a story in the book I was reading about this man. He was making lots of money. And he was away from home. And he would eat dinner with his family two nights a month. But he was making lots of money. He thought his wife was happy. And he said, and so he'd buy new furniture. And he'd buy, I'll build a bigger house. I'll add a room on and we'll do that. And his wife said, I don't care about a bigger room. I don't care about a new couch. I just want to sit on the couch we have with you. And watch a movie with our family. You see, in this world, especially around here, man, the more you have, the better, the more money you have. And, and sometimes that's not always true. Because you're just a slave to getting ahead. You just, you get caught up and your family pays a price. Your soul pays a price. And why not, listen to this, why not believe that God can give you a better job with more pay and less hours? Wouldn't you like that? No, I like working lots of hours. I like being gone all day. I like riding in traffic. Can you, why can't God do that in your life? He can. If you allow Him. Just say, you know what? Pastor, are you one of those name it, claim it guys? No. But, if you allow God to downsize some things in your life, He will, he will clear out junk so He can pour out a greater blessing in your life. Just let Him clear out that stuff that you think is so important. Will we allow God to take something away in order to make room that's something we ultimately really want? Will we allow God to take something out of our lives to allow room for something we really ultimately want? Will you let go of that thing that's more precious to you than other things? It could be family, it could be friends, it could be car, I don't know, it could be anything. You see, it's a trade-off. It's going to cost you something. But it's always a trade-up. It's always worth it. Amen? Listen to this. God always, listen, God always, always gives back more than what He takes. Come on. In fact, here's a couple of scriptures. I put them up here. Hebrews 12.11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. When you start that entry-level job and people make fun of you and you work long hours and over time you work it, it pays off. Discipline pays off. When the boss has to correct you, when the drill sergeant, when, when the, the top surgeon, the top professor has to, has to discipline you, it pays off. In fact, look at the message. Says, it says, at that time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain, of course. Later, later of course, it pays off handsomely. For it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. You see, the well-trained. In fact, Job, all of us know about Job. Job lost everything except for his life and, and his wife. Everyone was mean about his wife. Well, you know. But check this out. Job 42, 12 and 13. Look at this. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. Wow. And Job didn't ask for it. You see, God's blessing is always greater if you're willing to let go. He can do more. In fact, it just, it just says he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And they also had seven. That's like saying he had, I mean, whatever, whatever today's modern would be. Will you let go? Number five. Number five. Divine vision creates division. Divine vision creates division. You're going to get this in a second. There's two concepts I want you to hear here. Probably the biggest example of someone who paid a high price for a big vision was Joseph. In fact, Genesis. Remember, Joseph was, when, before he was 18 years old, God gave Joseph a big dream. Here it is. I'm going to read it. Genesis 37, 
5 through 8. Joseph had a dream. And when he told two of the brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. Then suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. Can you imagine that? Your youngest sibling saying, hey, you're going to bow down to me one day. And then telling your dad, you're going to bow down. I mean, I mean, he was immature. He shared this vision. But God had a plan. And we all know, we all have the, we have the blessings to look in the Bible saying, Joseph saved his people. And so Joseph had to pay a big price for this vision from God. His brothers sell, sell him into slavery. He's falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. He almost rots in prison. You think your life's tough. I'm not making light of it. Some of you are going through some tremendous hard times, but God will help you through that. And I can imagine that Joseph probably knew that God was working in him and he sensed that God was with him. And that helped him to endure these tough times. That helped him. And you see, at some point, at some point, your audacious vision from God is going to get beat down by somebody. Someone is going to tell you that is a bunch of hogwash. You're, you're crazy. You're smoking something. You've been going to church too long. You've been listening to that pastor stand too much. Someone's going to try to just, that's stupid. Get a real job. Get a real life. And you may have to have a real job, real life, just for a short time for God to do something else. Can you imagine what people said about Steve Jobs and Bill Gates? You guys just play computers. I mean, get a real job. Every one of you now are blessed by their, their work, right? You see, someone is going to try to stomp on your dream. Someone's going to try to tell you that's foolish. But it's from God. You need to hold on to it. You may go through the prison of a dead-end job for a few years. You may get looked over by promotions. You may, you may be forgotten about, but stick to the vision that God has given you. Amen? Come, that's the time to shout and cheer and clap and be excited. Amen? Go through the tough times. Allow God to work. You see, God used every setback Joseph faced to set him up for great significance. And you see, your vision, you might get unfriended on Facebook. And that's okay anyway, right? You, you may stop getting invited to the cool parties because you decided to make a commitment to Christ. You see, your, your pursuit of your God-given dream, you're going to probably lose some people along the way. They're going to stop walking with you because your God-given dream might be a little far out for them. And that's okay. Don't hate them, but just move on. Go forward with what God has called you to do. Amen? I mean, Joseph was friendless, was familyless in the prison. And the two guys that he helped, they said they'd help him. They almost forgot about him, right? Don't stop forging ahead, amen? Persevere when you encounter opposition. In fact, fighting big battles, listen to this, fighting big battles means there's a big blessing waiting. Come on, right? Little opposition means little blessings. Big opposition means a big blessing from God. I have found in my life, if God wants to do something big in my life, the enemy is going to try to stop me big. In this church, big things God wants to do, He'll try to do big, the enemy will try to do big things to stop us. It's the same in your life. Fight through it. Stand firm in God. Amen? Trust Him. Amen? You see, the opposition you're facing, you're facing now is preparing you for a greater position of influence. Joseph had to learn. That cocky 17-year-old kid. I remember when I was 17, I was 18. I was a cocky little punk. I really was. I knew it all. My brothers had to beat that out of me a couple times. I was better looking than them. I was stronger than them. At least I thought. You know, I mean, this is all in my head. You know, I could do anything I wanted. I mean, I was indestructible. Remember you crazy kids driving 100 miles an hour without a seatbelt thinking you're cool? And now they do with their texting. Don't do that because you're not going to survive. But when I was 70, I was cocky. I thought of everything. But God had to humble me in some areas. You see, maybe God is humbling in you some areas of your life. 
It hurts. But let go. Believe that big dream. Amen? Don't quit. And here's, there, there's a little thing I want to give you. And I, I, Can I get some help? Someone just pass these out. There's a few. Enough for maybe one, maybe one every uh, family, every individual. I hope I have enough. Um, but there's, there's these questions right here. You're going to get these questions. And for you to fulfill that God-given dream, you're going to get these. For you to fulfill that God-given dream, you've got to ask yourself, am I on the right path? Am I going forward? Are the choices that I'm making today helping me to fulfill God's vision for my life? Amen. I'm almost done. Don't worry. I'm almost done. I don't got five more pages. I really just have one more page after this. See, your vision is going to discipline you if it's from God. If you want you to fulfill your vision, this is not about me or what I've said and done. I've just used myself as an example because some of you have some greater examples. But your vision is going to have to discipline your choices. And here's, here's a couple things. Now, everybody's getting this, but, but the first one is, what am I using my energies on? What am I using my energies on? You're hopefully gonna, if, if we don't have enough of these, we'll print some more. What am I using my energies on? Here it is. Without a vision, the people perish. Okay? So you have to have that vision from God. Look over that vision. Write it down. Pray about it. Say, God, let me fulfill this vision for your glory and show me how to do it. Amen? Okay, so every, most of everybody has one of these. Every family, every individual has one of these. The first thing, the big highlight is, what am I using my energies on? What are you putting your heart and soul into? Is it worth it? Based on your purpose. Does that make sense? The second one, some of you already read through this, but number one, the second one is, what am I investing my money I'm going to throw this at you. Your vision dictates where you put your resources. Are you buying things that are more expensive than you can afford and don't need? Thank you for helping me. Are you, are you so much in debt that you can't channel your money towards fulfilling the vision in your heart? The third thing, and I know this sounds crazy, but these are just questions that you should ask yourself. This is from uh, Dr. Uh, Miles Monroe. He said, what movies and television programs am I watching? If you know where you're going, you will choose to watch things that are related to your vision because you want to invest that time in your future. Do you stay up all night watching movies and video games that have nothing to do with your life? Now, on occasion, I enjoy putting on a movie. I enjoy getting on the computer and playing a computer game. But I have to catch myself. Is this taking too much time in my life? Is it robbing me of what I'm called to do? The next thing, what am I reading? Is what you're reading helping you or hindering you? For example, this is just an example. If you're reading in, in romance novels, you're living in a fantasy and not your true dream. You could be reading something that helps you in the knowledge or skills that, that you need to fulfill. This is from Dr. Miles Monroe. It's a good example. What hobbies am I pursuing? What am I taking into my body? There are talented and gifted people who are dying prematurely because they consistently eat food that isn't good for them. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Again, I'm not saying that you should cut out all sugar. I mean, I have friends that I don't take any sugar at all. Man, God bless them. I still enjoy Pop-Tarts. But I still watch what I eat. So, for, so, so just if, if you're taking, if, you, if you're going to make it to the end of your vision, then you have to take care of your health. Your vision may take 20 years to be filled. Start eating right. If you neglect your health, you will be susceptible to sickness, and by the time you're halfway to your vision, you may be too ill to complete it, or maybe no longer here. What am I risking? Are you abusing alcohol, drugs, or sex? I mean, really, come on, you should be smart enough to know you don't need to do that stuff. Well, Pastor Stan, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. That's right, but it says not to be drunk with wine. That's all. I mean, think about this. What are you doing? What if, if so, they could short-circuit your vision. You must protect your vision. You see, that heat of the moment can cause a lifetime of pain and regrets. Some of you remember those, a great basketball player from the University of Maryland. His name was Lenny Bias. Got drafted to play in, for the Boston Celtics. But a heat of the moment, his buddy said, hey, let's go out, let's celebrate. He got... He got stoned with cocaine and he died. He of the moment. He wasted his life. Sad. And your friends, oh, come on, it's just one time. Come on, just one toke. Come on, just one drink. Come on, just one, just one. It always just takes one. So you know what? I don't need that stuff. Young man, young lady, when your friends pressure you, come on, come on, it's cool. Come on, come on. You know what? I don't want to be cool. I want to fulfill God's call in my life. Amen? What is my attitude towards life? On the back page. If you know where you're going, you can keep your attitude positive. When things go wrong, you can say, that's okay. This is only temporary. I know where my true destination is. Paul said we should discipline our thoughts to, to think about 
What will build us up? And, the, and Philippians says, whatever is pure, whatever is right. Think about these things. Amen? Don't think about the economy crashing. Don't think about the, the swine flu, the avian flu, the SARS flu. Don't think about the, the new uh, gerbil flu that's going to kill everybody. Because it's not going to happen. How do you know that, Pastor? Because God has a plan. He might die of the gerbil flu. I'm just being crazy right now. I know. Yeah, you are a little bit out there. Stop fearing. If God has a plan for your life, start living it. Yes, wash your hands. Yes, take care of yourself. Yes, get, get medicine when you need it. But believe that God has something better and live it out. Your vision should discipline your choices. Amen? If you want to go to the next level in your career, you want to go to the next level in your spiritual growth, you have to discipline yourself. The Bible says that we, we have a spirit of self-discipline. Not only timidity, but self-discipline and power. Use it, Amen? The last thing, the sign of your surrender. The sign of your surrender. Is God cutting away an area of your life right now? A motive, a dream, a relationship, or some other source of false security? What is that thing that God is trying to cut out of your life? Don't despair. Don't despair. It's a sign that God is preparing you for greater blessings. Let go of it. God can do greater things. God can provide more. Amen? In fact, Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that we will be revealed in us. You see, a high calling exacts a high price. But the returns are out of this world. Amen? Are you willing this morning to let go of some things so that God will work on you? In fact, I would like the worship team to come up right now. And we're going to have a time of prayer. And I want you to work through some things here. And I don't want you to leave yet. Please turn off your cell phones if you can or turn them to quiet. Because this is big right now. This is really big. This is really big for what God is going to do. In fact, I sat on this sermon. I had this sermon a few weeks ago, but I sat on it because I wanted to make sure that it was the right time. Because God is trying to tell you and I that He wants to cut some things out of our lives. He's wanting to cut some things out of our lives this morning. And you and I got to be willing to let go of it. He's already spoken to you while I was speaking this morning, or maybe before, I came, before you came this morning. He said, be willing to let go of this thing, because I can do some greater things in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Maybe you're, not, you're new with us, you're like, what's going on here? We don't want, we don't want you to be strange or weirded out, but we're going to wait on God to work on us for a few moments. We want to allow God to speak to us, because God still speaks to people today. Amen? In fact, we're going to, in a few moments, I'm going to ask people to come to the front in a few moments about some things that they want God to do in their lives. And just in a moment. So don't, don't be afraid if you're, you're thinking, what's wrong with this church? We want God to work in our lives. But you see, when you surrender, greater things for God will happen. And the question at the end of this is, are you willing to make the commitment your calling requires? Are you willing to take the sacrifice? Are you willing to make the things happen? With your eyes closed, just for a moment, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, just for the privacy of those around you. You see, I talked about Jesus, and Jesus said that if anyone comes after him, they must give up their lives. They have to count the cross, count the cost, and pick up their cross. Maybe this morning you've come into this church and you've never given your life to Jesus, and Jesus said, Hey, man, let me be the Savior of life. Let me deliver you from this world system, and I will give you life. The Bible says that whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin, hell, the grave, and given grace to live a great life. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And you say, you know what, Pastor Jen, I want to accept this Jesus as my Savior. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Okay, I trust that everyone has done that then. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at me just for a moment. This message is going to be really deep. It can, it can make some great benefits in your life if you allow God to cut some things out. If you say, God, here it is, I'm just going to lay at your altar, I'm giving control to you, and watch Him give it back to you, say, now watch me do something. Now for some of us, some of it is God has to cut some stuff out that's a bad influence in your life. You've got to be willing to let it happen. Amen? Are you ready to make the commitment? This morning, here's the thing. I want, I want you to come to the front. The worship is going to start. If you're saying, you know what, Pastor Stan, I want God's help to fulfill 
his audacious dream for my life. Would you come down and say, I want God's help to fulfill this vision. I want you to come down. Come on down. Pastor Stan, I want God's strength to let him circumcise my heart and my attitude. Would you come down this morning and say, I need God's strength to help me fulfill this vision from God and then I need God's strength to help him let me circumcise my heart and soul. Come on. Some of you, you need to let God downsize in order for him to make greater room. Come on down. God says, I want to downsize your life so I can do more things. Would you come on down and say, that's me. I want, to, I want to let God downsize my life. Come on to the front. Spread out to the front. So you know what? I have a big dream and I'm a little afraid of it, but I need God's strength to carry it on. Come on to the front. Come on to the front. Spread out to the front if you can. So you know what? I need God to circumcise my heart and my attitude. If that's you, come on down. You know, Pastor Stan, I face some opposition and I want some endurance. Come on down if you want God to give you endurance. Come on down if you want to. Can you just turn them down just a little bit? Can you turn them down just a little bit? Keep singing. Come down if you want God to remove some things that are holding you back. Fear, your flesh, your pride, your self-reliance. Come down so you know I'm tired. I'm going to let go. I'm, stop. I'm tired of fighting God. I want greater things to happen in my life. Come on down. Let God work in your life. There has to be a sacrifice. Let God work in your life right now. Come on, just let the Spirit work. I'm going to pray in a moment. Come on down. Let God work in your life right now. Come on down. Begin to surrender to Him. Begin to surrender to Him right now. Surrender that thing He's asked you to surrender. Surrender that thing. Come on, let go of it. Let go of it. Say, God, I give it up to you right now. God, I'm willing to downsize so you could do a greater thing. Lord, I need strength to fulfill this vision you have for me. God, I give you permission to circumcise my heart and my attitude. God, help me have the endurance to face the opposition that I have. God, remove things that are holding me back. Come on. Let God move in your life right now. I want to pray over you in a second. Spirit of God, have your way right now. Spirit of God, have your way right now. Come on, Lord, do this big thing. Do this big thing in, this, in, this, in the life of this church, in the life of every individual, Lord God. Do this big thing, God. Consume us, Lord. Consume us, Lord. Consume us, Lord. Come on, just let go right now. Let go and let God. Just let go and let God, okay? Let go. Let go of that thing. Do your work, Father God. Work right now, God. Do your work, God.
surrender. Can you imagine right now? Can you imagine? Would you, would you do this with me this, this moment? Allow God to allow that big dream to happen in your life. Some of you are going to make some significant discoveries to help this world. Some of you are going to impact some people's lives that you never would have dreamed. And they're going to help change the world. In fact, some of you, in fact, all of us in this room, we're going to do something bigger than we've ever have done because we're going to let go and let God. You see, God has told, told me, and He keeps telling me every year, before I came to this church, greater things were going to happen in this church than it had ever happened before. Not because of me, but because of you believing God to do it. And in your industry, in your calling, in your life, with your kids, in your singleness, in your marriage, God is going to do something bigger than he ever has before if you just let go right now. Let him strip away the things of the world. Let him strip away your fears. Let him strip away your pride. Let him strip away your self-reliance. Let him strip away the fear. I'm telling you, when I was praying in here this week and I told the, this morning we were praying, there is a spirit of fear holding some of you back. You're fearful of the economy. You're fearful of sickness. You're fearful of the weather. You're fearful of, of terrorism. You're fearful of politics. You should not be afraid. God is bigger than all that stuff. Amen? Some of you are afraid to let God have His way in your life. Don't be afraid. It's it's a better thing that's going to happen. Some of you are afraid of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of you are afraid to allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow on you at work, at home, in the school, in your community. God is wanting to use you to be an instrument of blessing to your work, your school, there are family and friends and co-workers that are addicted to things that only God can set them free. And you are going to be the vessel to help them. Amen? And God wants to set you and I free. Just be open. Amen? Be open to those big things. This is a, a new year. Big things are going to happen this year. Amen? I, I signed on for the long haul at this church. And I'm expecting great things to happen here. But it's only going to happen when you and I say, God, we give up. And we're ready for the big things to happen. Amen?